0: Operation unto him in the fast was the activation of life in the spirit. Amen. The activation of spirit dynamics. It's something that um, the modern, even sometimes the modern apostolic church is slowly losing a grip of. But there's a life in the spirit that is not soulish, neither is it natural. And when we operate in the spirit, we accomplish spiritual things. Things like prophecy. Capacity to hear God, to feel the nuances of God in a meeting, to feel an emphasis, to to feel um, God say something, to divert from a program, and not to be stuck on on regimen, protocol sometimes even, and to flow with the leading of the Spirit is a vital skill, an aptitude, an aptitude if you would, in the Spirit that I see many many are slowly losing grip of because we're becoming clinical, we're becoming sometimes so word-centered that we've lost spirit life. You cannot have one without thee, you cannot have one without the other. And so a warm welcome to one and all. Amen. I will formally welcome all of you at the end. I want to get straight into the word of the Lord. Amen. And we'll do all the other formalities and breaking of bread towards the end. Amen. Um, Thank you for coming out once more. And uh, like I've said The Lord directed me to just briefly teach on fasting because we can become, in the apostolic, so intelligent, so um, intelligently minded about certain doctrines, we become clever. Speak to an apostolic son in an apostolic house, he can speak the lingo, know the language, yet can sometimes lack the enactment of that word in his lifestyle. And that is dropsy. That is full of word, no spirit, no application. And we must be very, very aware of these things. Amen? So, the Lord spoke to me and said, we must start just a brief, it will not be long. But I want to do a thorough treatment on the discipline of fasting. Amen? Because fasting is one of the seriously neglected disciplines of contemporary Christendom. Most modern-day Christians rarely fast, if at all, and usually the fast is prompted by crises and is not a consistent feature of their lives. And I want to present to you an apostolic biblical perspective of the doctrine of fasting. Um, It's a seriously neglected discipline, and I use the word discipline consciously. Everyone say discipline. Discipline calls for a rectitude and a rightness of behavior. A commitment to something where you cannot just let your guard down as it were or wane in terms of what you need to be focused upon. He who is has got an undisciplined mind tends to wander with his thought processes. But he whose mind is disciplined and sober has got charge over his thoughts he has reined in the tendency of his thought to wander and to vacillate from point to point and has bring he's brought a fixedness to how you would think for god has not given us a spirit of fear but of power love and of a Sound mind. Some versions quote that as disciplined mind or well-balanced mind. And I want to encourage you. We went, we're going to bring back to the house of God and to the lives of the sons of God spiritual disciplines. Things like taking the time to read your word on a daily basis. Guarantee you throughout this holiday period, for some of you that has been a forgotten practice and you've forgotten the lord in all that you have done and i say this to you as your father in the lord do not forget the lord your god do not forget those things that are going to keep you sharp in the spirit do not forget those things that are going to keep you uh, focused in the realm of the spirit do not forget for example the practice of meditating on the word you wonder why you're not enjoying success. I taught you for over six sessions the value of meditation. Our God said to Joshua, this book of the law will not depart from out of your mouth, but you shall meditate therein day and night that you might observe to do all that is written therein. For then thou wilt make thy way prosperous and have good success. Some of us are not enjoying the kind of favor upon our lives simply because we failed spiritual disciplines for me things like fasting prayer giving studying god's word meditating upon god's word loving my fellow man and forgiving at every turn everyone who has hurt me having no offense in my heart positions me for a life of prosperity amen and i want to encourage you paul or rather peter said this In 1 Peter 1, 12, I think it is. He writes this. And he says, the things that I've said to you a time, I say to you again. That you might be, what? Established in the present truth. I feel that, take this slightly back. I feel that for many of us, I feel that for many of us, I have to say certain things again. Because I see you're not established in the truth that has been proclaimed to you. Peter says, I will not be negligent. And I too will not be negligent. He says to put you in remembrance. Although I've said these things to you a four time and before, I say them to you again so that you might be what? Established. Everyone say established. Established in the present truth. You cannot hope to hear new things when the things you were taught, you walk away from. And think nothing of disregarding and disobeying what God has said. It's not going to happen for you if you shun God's word. It's not going to happen for you. Scripture says in the Old Testament, I forget where the reference is, but the scripture says, God says, You take my words, just watch me. You take my words and you throw them behind you. Right? You disregard my my speech. I want to encourage you, we are on a new journey and a new phase of our transition. More than ever before, I have become a stickler for obedience. Absolute stickler. I said to to Renee, we will obey to our hurt. We will obey even if we die in the process. But we are not going to renege on observing biblical protocol and biblical principle. Amen? I want to encourage you. You must read, I think it's Psalm 26. I think it's Psalm 26 that speaks about the man who is integrous who is honorable before the lord and it says this he even swears to his own hurt in other words he makes a vow and he sticks by his guns even in the desire to fulfill his commitment he suffers hurt this man swears even to his own hurt amen and i want to encourage you to listen to pastor thamo's sermon the very first sermon in santa and some of you have listened to it already i encourage you to do so it's an amazing teaching of from the life of paul how paul lived a selfless life he lived to benefit others he always gave inconveniencing himself to convenience others and even through great personal trial and suffering he did this now getting back to our topic fasting is a neglected spiritual discipline Now I want to bring you back to this practice. I want to bring you back. The the Bible says in John 8, 32, I think it is, that you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. We've often said truth that you don't know cannot set you free. So once knowledge of truth comes to you, freedom and liberty is your experience. Not so. Truth doesn't set you free. Knowledge of the truth sets you free. You shall know the truth. And the truth shall set you free. I want to present to you, over the next three or four Sundays at least, the truth about fasting. Because if you know the truth about it, you'll be set free to practice it. Sometimes we're not practicing because we are not informed. Or sometimes, the case as for many people in the church globally, truth has come but you walk away from it and don't experience the benefits associated with it. With it, and I want to encourage you to be faithful. I demonstrated to you in this year, I gave a testimony of how we chose to tie 20% of all income, and God has been faithful, highly faithful to us. I can testify for weeks on end how the Lord has been faithful to His word. Tell your neighbor, stick to obedience, stick to your obedience, stick to your obedience. A rare circumstance in the life of this church, we were paid on time this year. Literally paid on time. My, I usually get my salary in bits and pieces, depending on what funds are available in the church account. And in January this year, for the first time, um, we were able to pay our full, my full salary. And... Um, this is not because we sold the buildings. It's because, and and by the way, the the tithe income for December and January seemed like it was the lowest ever in the history of this church. So it's not about the tithe and offering. But yet there was sufficient funds in the account for me to receive a salary. And you know what the temptation is to do? We had so many pressing needs. Uh, We both concurred. Let's honor Pastor Thama, our spiritual father in the Lord. And we decided to give more than half of it away as a first-fruit offering to our Father in the Lord. And I said we will stick to the principle because up to this whole year, God has demonstrated to us that when we are faithful to obey, He is faithful to come through. God will not fail you, brethren. I don't know how I can get this into your spirit. Do not sacrifice the principle. Obey to your hurt. God will not fail you. Tell your neighbor that. God will not fail you. God will not fail you. There are three areas of spiritual discipline that Jesus focused on in the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount is Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. It's a long discourse where the Lord is talking consistently. All the verses are in red, so you know Jesus is talking. Right? Three whole chapters. Matthew 5, 1 and 2 says, and he went up into a mount, and he sat down, and many came to him, first his disciples, and then the Bible says in verse 2, and he opened his mouth, and he taught them, saying, and he does not stop speaking, for three long chapters. Chapter 5, Chapter 6. Chapter 7. Theologians call this the Sermon on the Mount. It was a kind of apostolic school of ministry. It couldn't have been a day. People think, theologians say, it must have been a kind of retreat where they went away for a weekend. It was the closest thing that Jesus ever came to what he's called a kingdom manifesto. Manifesto are articles or statements of faith that govern life in a particular entity. Somebody's manifesto. If you want the closest thing to the manifesto of the kingdom of God, for me, it's Matthew 5, Matthew 6, and Matthew 7. Jesus painstakingly, remember he starts with the Beatitudes, and he opened his mouth, and he taught them, saying, blessed, 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 blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. He goes right through chapter 5, and he comes to chapter 6, and he says, when you give, he says, when you pray, do not be like the, the Pharisees and scribes, they pray to be seen of being, and he says this, and when you fast, what is Jesus assuming? He was assuming that those in the kingdom, and specifically his disciples, would be committed to the practice of fasting. Tell your neighbor when you fast. It's taken for granted that fasting would be part and parcel of kingdom life. And we'll, we'll teach on that passage of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, maybe next week. We'll get to it by the time we conclude it here. But I want to encourage you. He isolates three areas. When you give, when you pray, when you fast. And I find that in those three areas... Christians are lacking seriously. Their giving is found in want. Their prayer life is almost negligent or non-existent. And not too many people are fasting these days. Amen? I want you to get back to those three areas. Get back to accurate giving. First fruits, tithes, offerings. Get back to prayer. Seeking God, for example, early in the morning. Praying daily. Right? Praying unce- without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. And that does not mean that you can rationalize the fact that there's no need for a set time of prayer. Paul said pray without ceasing, meaning that always your spirit is always praying and is always in touch with the heavens. Some people use that as an excuse for not having a set time of prayer. No, that doesn't mean that. I want to encourage you, set yourself aside and pray. You know, one of the things that really helped me growing up as a young man, I'm looking at these youngsters here, Christian Banton was my close friend growing up in the Lord. And we were in standard 8, 9, and 10. And for those three years, even through varsity, every morning we met at 5 o'clock at the church in Arrayla Crescent, and we would pray from six to 5 to 6 in the morning. Through winter, no matter what the season. And I want to encourage you. That kind of everyone say discipline. It proves where your desire is. Sometimes we can waltz through life and not give God a fleeting thought. He only comes into priority in most people's view when there's a crisis in your life. Then suddenly you're calling upon the Lord. But take away the crisis, then you are you're coasting along. Right? I want to encourage you to get back to discipline. Tell your neighbor when you pray. Tell them when you give. Tell them when you fast. Three statements which we'll get to perhaps next week. Fasting is not the same as a hunger strike. Mm -hmm. Some people are on hunger strikes when they fast. (laughs) In modern society people use hunger strikes for political expediency. It's either to um, convince higher powers to act in a particular way, to bring attention maybe to some personal plight of a private individual or people group or even a national concern. So the person embarks upon a hunger strike in order to influence decision-making powers in higher authorities. The, the the character of that kind of thing is usually political in in nature. The classic example is Mahatma Gandhi, who went on such fast but rarely hunger strikes um, in his fight against British rule, for example. Fasting is not that, right? Fasting is not an attempt to convince or to to force higher spiritual powers. Vested in God to act on your behalf. Fasting is spiritual in nature. It is not physical or political in nature. It is not cold, clinical abstinence of food to bring attention to some plight that you are going through. It's an attempt and an expression on your part to humble yourself before the Lord your God. To say, God... See how I need you. To devote yourself more focusedly to some spiritual purpose. To seek clarity for some dilemma or some blur of understanding that you're seeking out from the Lord. Either in life or in His Word. David said this, I humbled my soul with fasting. Fasting is a place of deep humility. Although it involves the physical abstinence from food, its nature and its motive is always spiritual in character. It's never intended for a physical benefit. It always has a spiritual purpose attendant with it. Not so? And I want to encourage you, perhaps only in two or three weeks' time, I will demonstrate to you from the Scriptures how various persons in the Bible fasted and what things happened, what things were accomplished. Every single example that we will look at will demonstrate to us of our significant aspects of the purpose of God found increased acceleration either in that, life's, that person's life individually or if it was a corporate fast in the life of the, of the people involved in that fast. Fasting in Scripture is both private and it's it's corporate. We are engaging now, I feel, in a corporate fast for at least 14 days. At least 14 days. But I want to encourage everyone to come on board in the spirit with this. In terms of the seriousness with which I feel the impress of the Lord about the fast. Don't treat this lightly. Don't treat this flippantly. Don't say, oh, he's called another fast. Humble yourself before the Lord. Chastise your soul. Consider your ways. There's a verse in Haggai where the prophet said to the nation, consider your ways. Do an audit. Sit down with your wife, your partner, your kids. Say, if we carry on the way we are carrying on, where are we going to end up? Bring the spotlight of God's Holy Spirit to shine and do a forensic audit on the entirety of your life. Analyze all your relationships. Are they honorable before the Lord? Look at all of your attitudes, your thinking about people, your perception about situations. Bring it before the Lord and say, God, am I wrong here? Possibly I am. And be nimble-minded. Be humble enough to say, I need to adjust. I need to repent with sackcloth and ashes. Do you know most times in the scripture, when persons fasted in the attitude of repentance, they would put sackcloth and ashes to indicate the disposition of the internal heart before the Lord. Fasting In fasting, there's no place for pride. Ever since God spoke to me, in fact, when the Lord spoke to me about it, that's when I sent the message. This is very, very fresh. I had no time even to think about it. I just said, yes, Lord, I will stop the Passover series and let's do this. Let's let's get this right. So I'm calling upon us all in the spirit. Your disposition is one of sackcloth and ashes. You're saying, God, I come in repentance before you. There are many kinds of fasts which we will look at for your knowledge and your information so that by the time we finish the series, you will leave this with an holistic understanding of the doctrine of fasting. But for our purposes for the next 14 days, I felt the Lord saying, call a consecration fast. Call them, call your community, call your people to come before me. If we were living in an old covenant culture, we would all right now Have sackcloth and ashes, and coming in deep lowliness, no trace of pride, no trace of arrogance, no high-mindedness, no one set above the other, no one thinking more of themselves than the other. This is a week to weeks of deep contrition before the Lord. I don't want no arrogance, no smug um, attitude of the heart. You're saying, Lord, I bow my knee. Deal with me. Psalm 139, David says, Search me and see. I like the phrasing in the King James. Search me, O God, know my heart, and see if there's any offensive way in me. Now tell your neighbor, you have some offensive ways. Don't say a lot. I said some. Some of you are saying, you have a lot of offensive ways. Right? And I'm saying to us, you know, uh, the King James says, if there's any wicked way, the wicked in the Hebrew is ways in me that cause offense either to men or God. And I'm saying, Lord, if there's anything wrong with my life, let me repent. You know, Daniel fasted and he repented. Nehemiah did the same. You read Nehemiah 1. And they, they, these great men of God, came before the Lord in deep repentance. And they not only repented on their own behalf, they repented on behalf of the nation and behalf of their forefathers. Our forefathers have sinned. And they sought for the grace and the mercies of God. I want to encourage you, brethren, um, in the Lord. You might think, sitting there, this does not apply to me, I'm relatively fine. By the Spirit of the Lord, I tell you, you are not. There are things in your life that need to be corrected. Otherwise, the Lord will not have allowed me to speak in this manner. And because I love you, I do speak like this. Otherwise, I could have dismissed this and have a nice glory, hallelujah sermon and let you go off. And give you a false indication that everything is fine and rose and God is smiling at us. God truly loves us and he is smiling at us. But you know what? He desires us to get us to a place of greater rectitude in Him. Like I shared with you in the email, Joshua at Jericho's battle with Israel won a great victory over a formidable enemy. The, the, the walls around Jericho were thick. They were known to be a, a, a warring people. But walls fell in, the victory was won. God said to them, don't touch the devoted things, don't touch the accursed things. You know the story, Achan took uh, three items, Babylonian garment, a wedge of gold and some silver, I think, and he hid it where? In the ground in his tent. Went into his tent, dug a hole, and he hid it. The next battle was the men of Ai, capital A, small I. By comparison to Jericho, this was a walk in the park. In fact, it was at the men's suggestion to Joshua, they said to him, Don't send the whole army. By comparison to Jericho, the men of Ai are weak. Send a few of us and we'll rout them. The men of Ai wreak havoc over the men of Israel, killing thousands of them. Joshua comes to the Lord, and the Bible says he. You must read it in Joshua 7, he's on his knees, literally lying to the ground and saying, God, why God? Why God? Why do you give us great victory? Yeah, the very next day, a weaker enemy, they're walking all over us. Why God? You know what God says to Joshua? Not Achan. Israel has sinned. One man did the deed. God's response, you know, that's, let, me, let me just accurately quote it. God first says to him, what? Get up. What are you doing on your face? Israel has sinned. And they have taken the accursed thing, the devoted things, and hidden them amongst their own stuff. So deal with that, and you will have enjoyed, you will continue to enjoy the same kind of, of success and victory that you had at Jericho's experience. I felt in the spirit, in this transition, we've come through one phase with relative success. But somehow, we're not hitting it again. I haven't feel it in the worship. We're not hitting the target. There's something alright. Something's not right. Something's amiss. I speak to you as a prophet of God. Something's amiss. And I'm saying we need to get back. Because if we think that we can continue like this with disobedience in the camp. Even if it's one or two, you impact the whole community. Aikenson, but from God's perspective, he says, Israel has sinned. The sin of one man was attributed to the whole nation by virtue of their commonness. We have a commonwealth here. We are one. What you do in your private world is going to affect me. So don't be selfish by disobeying God privately and causing and impeding to the rate at which things move corporately. That is why a corporate fast is only as effective as each person's individual commitment to that process. Amen? Tell your neighbor, repent. Brother, repent, sister. I speak to myself, Randolph, you got some attitude in you that you need to get rid of. you got some things you need to put straight? Yes, I say, yes, Lord. My prayer, the, the whole of last night, I went to bed at 2 o'clock this morning because the Lord was just revealing to me some stuff about fasting. And I went on a typing. I was just praying and studying and just typing away. And I'll share with you in the next few weeks some fresh perspectives about fasting and what it does to our, to our spiritual lives. God was saying, my prayer consists, Lord, search me. Try my heart. Know my anxious thoughts. See, you see, not me. But sometimes you can't see. Sometimes we have blind spots. Somebody said, I don't have blind spots. Well, by definition, you can't see a blind spot. So how do you know we don't have any? Right? A blind you you might not know things are not right. It only takes The spotlight of God through His Word to highlight an inaccuracy that you have. And I want to encourage you, brethren. I'm bringing my life before the Lord like never before. I'm saying, God, purge everything. Purge my finances. Something the Lord's been ministering to me recently um, is giving to the poor. God's saying, you've got your tithes right. You've got your first roots right. You've got your offerings. I see you're giving. The Lord's been speaking to me about now. I want you to take it now. Give downward. Give to the poor. And I'll share with you, maybe late in the year. Maybe we can do a kingdom economics series later in the year. But giving to the poor is a very, very important part of what we are called to do as, as Christians. Right? Paul said, remember the words of our Lord Jesus. Of how that it's always more blessed to give than to receive." than to receive. In Galatians 2, Paul also said that when he and Barnabas came to Galatia, they perceived the grace of God on him, and they gave to him in Barnabas the right hand of fellowship. And they, they sent us on our way, he says, and they reminded us to be eager to remember the poor. Amen? So I want to encourage you. Don't wait for the teaching. Start to practice it. Allow the Lord to put someone less fortunate than yourself upon your heart and bless them. Even if you start with 50 rand a month, say yes. I was moved. I came here. They do a soup kitchen here, I think twice in the week. And I was here quite frequently uh, the past two weeks in the day. My heart was moved when I saw the amount of people that come here to receive bread and soup. Destitute families sit here. All they put tables out. And I made a commitment to the lady, straight up. I said, I will give you X amount every month. I want to sow into what you're doing. You see, you can talk and talk and talk, but unless you, you do. It's more blessed to give than to to receive. You know what God said to Joshua? Get up. Israel has sinned. Achan is routed. You know the story. Remember? Before Jericho's victory, God said to him, Consecrate the people, for tomorrow I will do great things among them. When Israel through Achan sins, God says again, consecrate the the people. And I called it in the email I sent to you, the second consecration. The second time God is saying, but you know you would have thought the the preparation would have done pre-Jericho, before Jericho, because God instructed them consecrate but now there was the second consecration it's like the second circumcision in joshua's case you know the gilgal when the god was through joshua commanded them to circumcise everybody the second time what is circumcision cutting away of the foreskin of the flesh in the spirit it's a removal of any fleshly tendency i want to say to you very seriously brethren family Deal with your flesh. If you don't, it will kill you. If you don't, it's going to rob you of your destiny in God. Consecrate yourself, separate yourself unto the Lord like never before. Even your thought life. Don't get involved in fantasy, in sexual fantasy concerning another. For even there, God is saying, even there, I want a consecration. I want you to be so pure. I want you to be so righteous before me. Separate, consecrate yourself unto me completely. God is now putting his spotlight on even the hidden things. Not even things overt that are, that are seen. Fasting. Withholds food from? From the flesh. The flesh is screaming out for breakfast. Your spirit man rises up and says, No. I am in charge. So, I discipline you with fasting. My soul, I chastise you with with fasting. I bring you into proper, into check. And I will share with you next week, in fact, the ultimate um, primary purpose for fasting that I have a view of is that it chastises the soul. It withholds body, it withholds food from the flesh in a bid to get the soul in check. And I'll demonstrate to you how that works from, from the Scriptures. Amen? So tell your neighbor, you're not on a hunger strike. You cannot read the Bible and wink at the fact that every major personality used in this, by God in Scripture fasted at some time in his life. It's, it's a... It's an obvious conclusion that you must come to. All the great men of God fasted at some point um, in their lives. And so we're going to look at some of them as examples. We will unpack the lessons by person and by principle. Sometimes you can learn something about fasting in the Scripture by principle. By simply looking at the Scripture and a principle will jump out at you. Sometimes you can learn something about fasting fasting in the Bible by examining, for example, how Moses fasted, how Elijah. Why didn't Nehemiah fast in Nehemiah chapter 1 before he embarked upon the rebuilding project? Right? Anna, I love that scripture. Anna the prophetess, 84 years old. Luke 2.37 says she worshipped and served God day and night with fastings and prayer. And she was a prophetess. And she gave an accurate description concerning the things of the babe Christ who was brought into the temple to be dedicated by Simeon, remember? And there, there are many personalities. Esther fasted. Esther's fast, you must please study the fast of Esther and the Jews because it's a significant fast that preserved the purpose of God in our whole, whole nation. Paul fasted. John fasted. The leadership at Antioch fasted, Acts 13. Paul and Barnabas ordained elders in Acts 14 to 23. In every church they visited and they ordained them, the Bible says, with fasting and with with prayer. Paul, many times, he would say, in many things, I have approved myself as a minister of Christ. And he would say, in peril, in danger, in hunger, in thirst, and he says this, in fastings, say fastings, not fasting, fastings. Right? He says, in fastings, often, listen to me, in fastings, often, he says. Right? You want to be called to greatness, learn the discipline of fasting. Jesus is the patent son, he's the ultimate example for? all of us he too as the, the ideal standard of behavior for every man who claims to be a son of god he fasted too for, for 40 days elijah fasted also for 40 days so did moses fasted twice for 40 days back on back making it really a fast of 80 days with no intermission between the two. You wonder why these men are not of this world. Tell your neighbor, you are not of this world. I am saying we've become so earthly, so governed by food, so fleshly, so bodily conscious. I guarantee you, some people, I know some people, I've heard this before, they will not fast for a lengthy period of time because of the negative effect it's going to have on their physique. You are so carnal you're so concerned about your external look that even a, 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 a an objective and goal that you want to pres- that, that, is, that is pressing upon you to be accomplished in the spirit, you can't prioritize over that. I will never forget I was saying this to. Uh, my, my niece that I hadn't seen for a long time came to visit today. She just left before we came here. And we're talking, talking, talking. And then we said to her, we're we embarking upon a fast tomorrow. So we're talking about fasting. And she asked, did I ever fast for a long time? So I said, there's one time that I fasted for 40 days. It was about eight or nine years ago. Or it could be longer, 10 years ago. And I recall it was, the, it was a critical season of my life. And I only had, no solids, only had water and, and grape juice, freshly processed grape juice for 40 days. By half that period, you could see my cheekbones. By the 40th day, I looked like a skeleton. You know, when you saw my face, it was like, where's the flesh? Things were simply hanging. There's my witness here. And yet, I had a full day at school. I was teaching at Interfellowship at the time. I had a full day at school. But guess what? There were certain things. I said, God, I am desperate. You need to come through. You need to... I won't share with you the the issues for which I was... They were pressing upon my heart at that stage in my life. I wasn't concerned a bit about how I appear before men. So long as my appearance before God was... was, I was hitting something in the spirit. It, It was a critical time for me. So I want to tell you... I want to encourage you. Tell your neighbor... Do not be concerned about your outward body right now. And let me just say this: you will have some benefits, because some of you do need to lose weight. <laughs> okay, I'm just joking. right? Yes, uh, some, some, some excess will, will come off. right? Also, you will, you will purge your system. That's a wonderful way of detoxification. Yeah, because processed food today got so many harmful toxins that are racing through your body, and when you withhold food. You actually give your internal organs involved in the digestive process a chance to rest. The doctors, medical doctors, actually recommend the practice of fasting. They recommend it for the physical and biological benefits it brings to your, to your body. But I'm saying to you, that is secondary. We have, spiritual, we have spiritual purposes that we want to secure. And so we will look at personalities case studies. But we'll also look at examples. Both Hebrew and Greek words. The Hebrew word for fasting is Tosom. means to cover the mouth. And guess what? No entry. (laughs) No food allowed. (laughs) Cover the mouth. The Hebrew perspective. But it also had got to do with watching how one speaks. And I, I encouraged you in the email, in this season, I don't want no idle chatter. Everyone look at me. Don't, don't be distracted by people around. Please look at me. Listen. You must study. I'm giving you an assignment. All of you must read Isaiah 58. It's the key Old Testament passage on fasting. It does not allude to fasting per se, But it refers to a fasted life, but there are principles that govern acceptable fasting that we can extrapolate from that scripture. And in there there is several preventives to effective fasting that are listed. One of them is God says, But in the day that you fast, you point the finger. What is this? Accusation. Evil speaking. Offensive speaking, idle chatter. If I were you, I would adopt. I'm not saying be cold, be somber, and be um, quiet. All I'm saying, the internal disposition of your heart. You're saying, God, I quiet my life before you. Even my speech, I set a guard over my mouth, the scripture says. There's a proverb that says, set a guard over your mouth. Watch what you say. I feel for many of us in this house, some of us are not experiencing breakthrough simply because of not speaking correctly. If you simply adjust what what emits from your mouth, you will see breakthrough for some of us. So, toss means to cover the mouth, to withhold from food, and to adjust also once, speaking to a place of accuracy. The Greek word is nestia, and nestia means to abstain voluntarily from... Food. It's a voluntary abstinence from food. Now, the key word here is voluntary. Everyone say we're doing this willfully. <laughs> Come on, say we are fasting voluntarily. <laughs> if ever, and let me say this, I'll say this publicly. If there's anyone sitting in the congregation right now, and you don't feel led to fast, you you then do then don't fast. It's your prerogative. It's your. I don't want anyone to. Be, to function under a burden. All I'm asking you, if I have any credibility with you in the Spirit, in your mind and in your perception, regard me as someone credible to speak God's Word to you and to father you in the Lord. And I declare to you, I've heard from God for you. And the Lord calls upon this congregation to humble ourselves before the Lord our God. Amen? And say, Lord, we willingly want to withhold food. And I'm calling all the young people to come on board. No one's exempt. Okay? All the young people. Observe a, a pattern of fasting that you are comfortable with. Especially because school's open this week. I'm aware, fully aware of that. And I know it's a hectic week for many of us. Right? And and the academic, uh, most academic institutions are going to come on board. Most of you are already back at, at work already. But I'm saying, even the students, even if it means, Keegan, You decide I'm only going to miss one meal a day. You decide what meal it is. But I too am part of this house. I'm going to bring myself under what my spiritual father in the Lord is calling me to do. And just for that one meal, I will sacrifice it. And instead of eating, I'm going to use the time to study and read God's word. I'm going to use the time to pray more. I'm going to use the time to meditate on something my spiritual father taught me. I'm going to bring an audit. Amen? Uh, Let me just say this. I am maybe be a bit ahead of myself. Fasting, simply as a cold and clinical abstinence from food, is not true spiritual fasting. You are not fasting when you are not eating. You can't be not eating and tell everybody we're all on this fast when you are not adding to that more prayer, more reading of the word. More study. I'll demonstrate this to you from the Scripture, how persons in the Bible actually did this. For me, the person that simply withholds food without consciously reigning in their thoughts, meditating upon the Word, or, or more powerful, poignant, penetrative prayer that has been made, more prayer, more qualitative prayer, more intense prayer, more time in the Word, studying the Word, or meditating... Then for me, you're not fasting. I'll demonstrate to you biblical fasts always have strong prayer and strong word components in them. Amen? Always. So you've got to give yourself. uh, I recall in my 40-day fast a few years ago, whenever it was supper time, I went down to my pool house and in my toilet area. I don't know why God's favorite place to speak to me is that area. I remember the, the shower. Those of you know my place where I study. And when Renee, the boys were still young, when Renee would, would serve them supper, I would go down. I would leave the venue. Because I wasn't eating. Saying God I'm not eating. So I'm going to devote this time. And I would, I would bend by the shower. Go on my knees. God didn't require it. But He didn't expect me to, to kneel. I love what Sam says. God, when he kneels before the Lord, God doesn't require it, but it helps him. I'm saying I'm humbling myself. Lord, I'm fasting. I will demonstrate this to you by getting down. I will lie sometimes prostrate and cry before the Lord for direction in my life. At that stage, I was seeking God for critical direction. And God was faithful to come through. I want to encourage you. Do what you must. Don't copy me. Do what you need to do. But you humble yourself before the Lord. Say, God, there's some ways in me that need amendment. Considering my ways, I will adjust. I'm going to consecrate my life and myself to to the Lord. If for the next 14 days, I'll discuss the pattern of hearting shortly before we leave. If for the next 14 days, let's say, the time you spend eating, you spend praying, you will soon discover how much time you spend eating. For some of us, it's a long time. It's a large part of the day. Amen. You know, I was amazed in the time of how much engagement with God I got. But you know, this flesh is screaming so loud and strong to be satisfied. Right? I will encourage you in this time, keep your physical activity to a limit. Right? Some of you are involved in work that demands physical exertion and you can't change that. So adopt a pattern of fasting that is comfortable for you, and don't come under bondage by somebody else's pattern of fasting. You do what you have to do. Some of you might observe a partial fast. We'll have just miss a meal or two. Some of you can do a total fast. Just have one meal. The decision is, is entirely up to, is entirely up to you. But like I say, it's very important for you to consciously devote more time to prayer and to the reading of God's, of God's Word. Thirdly, I know I'm going slowly, but I need to unpack this. Fasting is a deliberate abstinence from water, from food, but not water. You are advised to take water as often as you, as you can. I'm going to quote a few verses to you. Please write these down. Although I will have notes for you at the next session. I'm so sorry. These were supposed to be in your hands right now. But because of the visit of my niece, we just... Couldn't get around to doing it. Listen carefully. Paul said this in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 27. In wearing, he lists a couple of things. He says, in weariness, in painfulness, in watchings, often. Watchings is special times of focused prayer. The Bible says, watch and pray. He says, in hunger, in thirst, comma. In fastings, often so Paul separates three things. He says, In hunger, there were times I was hungry, there were times I was thirsty, but he says, There are times that I fasted often. So he separates, and there's a distinction in his mind between fastings and thirst. So if you are fasting, it is scripturally acceptable to drink lots of water, it's advisable. After his 40-day fast, remember Jesus in Matthew 4 and Luke 4? He fasted for 40 days. And this is how the Bible describes Jesus after the fast. Matthew 4 2 says, when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterwards he was hungry. It does not say afterwards he was thirsty. The implication is that throughout the period he was drinking water. After a three-day fast, the 4,000, this is in the book of Mark. In Matthew's gospel, you have the feeding of the 5,000. Mark records that Luke, that Jesus fed, 4,000. Now, this is what Mark says about after um, a three-day fast. These 4,000 people literally fasted for three days. Mark 8 from verse 1 to 3 says the following. In those days, the multitude being very great, having nothing to eat, Jesus called his disciples unto him, and he saith unto them, I have compassion on the multitude, because now they have been with me three days, and have nothing to eat. If I send them away fasting, he says. If I send them away fasting. Question, were they fasting? Yes. And Jesus was concerned. It's amazing this, eh? 4,000 people fasting. Listening to the word of the Lord. The three days had ended. And the Bible says Jesus was about to send them back to their homes. And he expresses this concern to his disciples. If I send them away, fasting to their own houses, they will faint by the way. For diverse of them have come from very afar. People are a long way. But afterwards, it only says they were hungry and they were not thirsty. Wherever they were, they had access to water. You know, it's impossible to survive without water for any length of time. You can do without food for weeks on end. Do you know, do you know that? Some of you need, are not convinced. <laughs> so what, food? No, every day. Where's Luke? <laughs> it's a revelation that I can survive for weeks on end. Three, four, five, six weeks without one item of solid nutriment. But, walk, but you can't even survive more than three days. Scientifically, 72 hours. Don't go beyond trying to go for 72 hours or three days without water. So tell your neighbor, Khoi the water. Drink lots of water. By the way, what's the symbolic impression of water? It's word. So as you fast, get a lot of word in you. By the way, wash internally and externally. Lots of water inside, lots of water outside. If especially if you're going on an extended fast, you need to wash often. Because some toxins start to make their way through the, the pores of the skins. And your body odor will be on another level. Okay, Especially during a, a long fast, ensure that you are well deodorized. Well washed and you're smelling good, keep some mints. If you're working, Yes, some practical help. If you're working and you're fasting, keep some mints in your pocket. All right? And just, if you're engaging people, let me just say this, your, your breath will smell in a fast. It's the body's natural way of getting rid of harmful toxins. It comes out through the mouth and the other end. It comes out through uh, the, 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 the pores of your skin. All your internal systems, like kidneys, lymph nodes, etc., all working to rid the body of these harmful substances. In fact, after your fast, if you break the fast correctly, you should be on another level of health. Right? In fact, one of the blessings of fasting recorded in Isaiah 58 says, your health will spring forth speedily. Even those of you that are sick and, trust, and are plagued by certain diseases, trust God for perfect health in the next 14 days. Amen? It says your light will break forth like the dawning. And your health will begin to spring forth speedily. Tell your neighbor, you're going to be the epitome of health. Hallelujah. The epitome of health. Elijah fasted for 40 days. Listen to what it says. 1 Kings 19.8 says, He rose. Remember after he defeated the 450 prophets of Baal on Mount? Carmel and he was suicidal because of these threats by Jezebel. And remember, the Lord meets him there and encourages him. And gives him a new mandate to anoint three different kings. Go on with the assignment. And Elijah's, Elijah decides to start, at that point, a 40-day fast. By the way, who fasted for 40 days? Three people in the Bible. I told you. Moses. Jesus. And Elijah. Who met Jesus at the Mount of Transfiguration? Moses and Elijah. No coincidence. Although there's many much truth embedded in that account. But three men met to discuss his death. That knew how to deal with the flesh. You're going to do no great thing in the kingdom. If you don't submit your flesh to the rule of your spirit. This is all about rule. Amen? Speak to your food tonight when you eat for the last time. Say, listen, pork chop. From tomorrow, I'm going to show you who's in charge. I will tell them. Tell your body. You will not tell me when and what to eat. My spirit man is in charge. I exert rule. This is very important. I exert rule. Amen? It's about ruling your flesh. You know, sometimes, I'll demonstrate to you next week. I'll show you the scriptures. We give into fleshly temptation too easily because we have not conditioned this flesh to submit to the dictates of the Spirit. Fasting is one of those ways that we practically demonstrate how to rule the fleshly domains of our lives. It says like this of Elijah. So he arose and he ate and drank. And he went in the strength of that food for 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Horeb, the mountain of the Lord. So next time you eat, I can just picture, he ate something, the Lord, the Lord gave him, he ate something. The Bible says he went in the strength of that last meal for the next 40 days. One meal can empower you for 40 days. When you eat tonight, Mark, say to that supper that Cindy is going to give you. I will go in the strength of this meal for the next 14 days. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm trying to build your faith and encourage you in the Lord. Amen. Brittany, what are you sacrificing? Lunch, breakfast, dinner, lunch. Okay. All the young people. I know it might be difficult for the youngsters, especially young guys. One meal, as young as you are. I'm glad we were, I was in standard eight, I remember. We would start to fast. If church was fasting, we just jumped right in. And we just did it. Don't wait until you're an adult to learn this practice. Right? Learn this now and get into it. Amen? Hallelujah. You all excited about the fast? Right? Let me just give you some, some facts quickly. I'll take another 5 or 10 minutes. If You decide to fast without water. Please, without water. So you're not not eating food. You're not drinking water. Scripturally, you should not go beyond three days. Right? Um, Only Moses, it's recorded in the Bible, did not drink water nor eat food in the 40-day fast. And his was really an 80-day fast. It was two periods of 40 days back on back but you must remember this lovely phrase in the bible it says and moses was there with the lord <laughs> unless you're to be there with the lord he <laughs> was like in the immediate presence of god where food was not not necessary the bible says he was there with the lord he had no need for food you know it must have seemed to the israelite it seemed like an eternity remember they were worried he's taking too long. When is he coming back, they said. For Moses, it was like a moment in time. Because he left the realm of time and he entered into eternity. And engaged his God. For him, time stood still. He came back, it was 40 days later, to Israel. By that time, they had built the calf, remember? And he goes back for another 40 days. Hmm. There are two examples of of people who fasted for three days in the Bible without food and water for three days. At some time in your spiritual life, maybe some of you will do this. I'm presenting to you the biblical case because I perceive for some of you that are called to greatness, that at some point in your life, you possibly will do this. No food, no water, three days. The first example is the Apostle Paul himself at his conversion. The Bible says, I'm quoting Acts 9.9, 9. he was there three days without sight, and he neither ate nor drank. Three days, 72 hours. Hmm. The other example is Esther and the Jews. Esther 4.16, she says to the Jews, Go assemble all the Jews who were found in Susa, and fast for me. Esther calls a company of people, the Jewish community, and she says to them, Fast for? Fast for me, do not eat, nor drink for three days, night or day. How's that? Clayton, is this possible? <laughs> yeah? I remember as a young man reading the Bible The "Lord, people didn 't eat for three days, and they drank nothing for three days. Humanly, it's not possible. but let me just say this: if you know the crisis, Esther faced and what was hanging? what was hanging in the balance. You see, listen carefully. Whenever you adopt a pattern or determine a period. In other words, what kind of fast, whether it's total abstinence, I'm missing a few meals, or, and for how long. Whatever the pattern and the period will always be determined by the intensity of your desire. And I'm saying... Even if there's difficulty in the flesh, in the physical, allow your spiritual goal to override the weakness of your flesh. Hmm? Think about what's at stake. For Esther, she says to all the Jews, fast for me, all of you, night or, dry, or day, no one must eat nor drink anything. So, um, so there was, most, there was uh, the Apostle Paul and, and Esther. Just quickly... These terms do not exist in the Bible, but there are three broadly defined types of fast. There's what we call the dry fast, which is no food and water, maximum three days. The dry fast, like of, of this nature, is also called an absolute fast or an extreme fast. No food, no water for three solid days. Then there's the normal fast, which is called a wet fast. Here you take food, So you don't take food, but you do drink water or liquids. This kind of fast could be taken up to 40 days. Then there's what is called the partial fast. So you've got the two extremes, dry and wet. In the middle of the two, there's the partial fast, where one abstains from certain tasty foods and drinks for a set period. The reference for this is Daniel... Chapter 10, verses 2 and 3. It says, In those days I, Daniel, had been in mourning for three entire weeks. I did not eat any tasty food. So tell your neighbor, no more Nando's. So Daniel was selective about what he would eat. Here he says, I, I did not eat any tasty foods, nor did eat meat. No wine entered my mouth, nor did I use any ointment until three entire weeks was completed. Right? I'll talk to you more about the popularly known Daniel fast, which biblically is not really a fast. People base it on Daniel chapter 1, which I'll read the scripture and and demonstrate to you. It wasn't a fast per se. If ever there's a Daniel kind of fast, it is Daniel chapter 10. Where he said, I will stay away from meat. I will stay away from certain foods that I like, my favorites, my tasty. Woo! I'm going to leave that, 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 that out. Okay, I know what you, you, you're summing up. Jenny, you know, you've got all those cakes you bake. Right? And, uh, and no wine. It didn't come to my mouth. You must know Daniel was seeking God for clarity concerning the vision and a message he heard from God. And I'm, you know what the Bible says? When the angel came to him on the 21st day, at the end of the three weeks with the answer, what the angel said to him, Daniel, from the first day, from day one, that you set your heart to seek the Lord, to receive understanding, I was sent to you. But the prince of Persia, a demonic entity, which stood me and delayed me from coming to you for now 21 days. So little unbeknown to Daniel, while the man is fasting, there's warfare in the heavens. So I want to encourage you, be thoroughly aware of of what's happening in the unseen realm when you fast. And who knows, you might be tempted to give up on the 20th day when the angel is about to break through and come. I personally believe it was his position also in Fasting and strong prayer that aided angelic breakthrough to come to Him. Tell your neighbor, be determined. Come on, tell your neighbor, be determined. If I were you, I would plan, I'm going to sleep earlier tonight, half an hour earlier. Get up half an hour earlier tomorrow morning. Seek my God by prayer. I'm going to be serious. Amen? And so those are the kinds of thoughts. Just quickly, um, let me just list these. There are several durations of fast in the Bible. Part of a day, King Darius did this in Daniel 6.18, he fasted for part of the day. One day, Israel, the nation, always fasted on the day of atonement. I'll show you all the scriptures in your notes. Three days, Paul did it. Esther and the Jews did it. Four days, Cornelius. Remember Cornelius? Acts chapter 10. The Bible says he fasted for, for four days. Seven days, The men of Jabesh-Gilead, a powerful case study we're going to look at. The men of Jabesh-Gilead fasted after the death of Jonathan and Saul for seven days. David too fasted for seven days, remember, after the death of his son or before then. Paul and a crew on a ship fasted for 14 days. You must read Acts chapter 27. Daniel fasted for 21 days. And then Moses, Elijah, and Jesus fasted for, for 40 days. Amen? And so I want to encourage you. Ours is only 14. Tell your neighbor, we are read this together. we read this together. May the prayer of your heart be, search me, O God, and see if there's any wicked way in me. Lead me in the way everlasting. I want you to come before the Lord in deep contrition and prayer. Say, God, put my life right. For the young people, I will encourage you, especially focus on issues of personal purity, but also of destiny. Say, God, I'm I'm 16, 15, 16, 17, 18, whatever your age is. Say, I need direction in my life. As I fast, I trust that you're going to make my path clear. Amen? God is very, very faithful to come through for you. I sent you the, the clip on Facebook on Facebook and WhatsApp of the fast-forward icon that you see on uh, cassette players or CD players. You press the fast-forward button, and the speed of your audio goes up. Not so. And I want to encourage you fast-forward your progress in God fast forwarded in the spirit things can move faster when you study the scriptures everyone who did something significant for god practiced the discipline of fasting if jesus himself did it you and i are not exempt amen i want us i want to encourage us all let's do this together do it um as as one company let's do it as one man amen and let the will of the Lord triumph. For those of you that have never ever fasted, I hope you up your hand, but some of you haven't fasted yet. What I would advise you to do is maybe just embark upon a partial fast for now. But enter into the spirit of fasting. No one ever need know that you are fasting. Don't go and uh, send an email to your work colleagues tomorrow. We are starting a fast. Keep quiet about it. You must appear before God. You're not appearing before men. Only inform people if you have to. Someone comes and offers you, hey, I got nanos for lunch. You say, oh, shh. Did ran off your right? <laughs> <laughs> then you say, oh, I'm sorry, I'm actually on a fast. Just be polite. I'm not, I'm not eating. Right? Um, amidst one meal if you have to for the youngsters that haven't ever, ever fasted. Or you can omit certain tasty foods that you like, like Daniel did. You okay, can embark upon a, a partial fast and receive breakthrough in areas that you are, are wanting to secure. I'm going to read this poem, perhaps at every sitting, this poem I'm about to read. you. I'm going to share it with you some time previously. But it's a lovely poem. Listen carefully. As I read the poem, please tell me at the end of each stanza who the personality is referenced in the Bible. You ready to shout the name out? On Sinai's mount with radiant face to intercede for heaven's grace upon a stubborn wayward race, he fasted. Once lifted from the miry clay, when opposition came his way, this soldier king would often pray with fasting. Soldier king. David. A seer prophet, a seer possessed of vision keen, who told the troubled king his dream, had a light upon God's prophetic scheme through fasting. Daniel. The prophetess in the temple court beheld the babe the two had brought. For him she longed and prayed and sought with fasting. Anna. He came to break the yoke of sin. And ere his mission, ere before, all English, and before ere his mission could begin, he met the foe and conquered him with fasting. Jesus, 40 days, dealing with Satan. In the wilderness. Set apart the spirit bade, a spring that soon vast rivers made, broke open by men who prayed and were fasting. Set apart the spirit said. When did the spirit say, Set apart me, Paul and Barnabas? The Antioch church leadership. In that context, the Bible says they were in fasting when the Spirit said that. So shall they fast when I am gone. Was this no word to act upon? Ask countless saints who fought and won with fasting. Jesus said that. My disciples will fast when I'm taken away. Last answer is not one, it's just for you. When we shall stand on that great day and give account, what shall we say if he should ask us, did you pray with fasting? Hmm? Come, let's stand. As we close, I want us to repent. Join the hands with the person next to you. Join hands across the aisles. I want us to be serious at this time. If ever I've, I've been more serious about spiritual activity, it's been recently. Let me just say this to you. Tomorrow the Lord will do great things for us if we consecrate ourselves. Tell your neighbor great things. I really believe it. I'm not saying that just to, to, get a, to make a corporate choral response from you. I really believe that the Lord's going to do great things for us. You approached Jericho with a certain level of consecration. But that level of consecration, evidenced by Achan's disobedience, was not full and complete. God says, consecrate them a second time. And I really want to implore us, all of us, just close our eyes for one second. You see, you've done wrong things, or you've omitted to do the right things. We all have. I have done wrong things, or so I've omitted to do the right thing. And I'm bringing myself, my spouse, and my family, my three boys, and my daughter, and saying, Lord, search us as a family and see, are we talking inaccurately? Are we disobeying privately where no man can see? Are we withholding that which is of the Lord? Did you know Achan's gold, silver, and Babylonian garment, were items to be used in the building of the temple? It was supposed to be an offering for the Lord that he took. In your relationships, are you holding any offense in your heart against anyone? Things will not move. They will stand still if that is the case. Say, Lord, I want to be free. As I start this fast tomorrow, I don't want nothing preventing me from appearing before you and accessing your purposes, your will, your plan in the heavens. Jesus, the Bible says, was led by the Spirit to be tempted of the devil in the wilderness, and there he fasted for 40 days. I really believe this fast is led of the Lord for all of us. Would you bow your hearts? I'm going to pray a prayer of repentance for all of us. I pray on your behalf. I take the responsibility on, of you upon my life tonight, and I come before the Lord and I say, Lord, I stand on behalf of your people. Father, I thank you for your great name and for your great word, your great will and your plans and your purposes for our lives. You've spoken and we will submit. I submit. I will do whatever it takes to put whatever is wrong, make it right in my life. Show it to me. Show it to us. In uncanny ways. Show it to us. Reveal it to us. Some of us might not even see it, but it will be there. Show us and lead us in the way everlasting. Cleanse my heart. Keep me back from sinning presumptuously. Keep back your servant from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. For then I will be free and I will be innocent from great transgressions. Let the words of my mouth and let the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Purge me. Pray the prayer of David. Wash me thoroughly. Cleanse me with hyssop. Bring back to me the joy of my salvation. See if there's any wicked way, any offensive way in me. And lead me to a place of accuracy. We want to be used by you. We want to see your power break through, break forth in our lives. We want to see your will enacted, Father. We ask, purge us, sanctify us. We might be vessels of honor, fit for use. Vessels of honor, not of dishonor. Not for ignoble use, but for noble use. I ask this in your name. Purge my heart. Cleanse my motives. Cleanse my speech. Cleanse my attitudes. Purge my ambition. Let me humble myself before you. I pray let your will have its way. We bow this this evening, Father. We bow this evening in deference and in preference for your will. I pray let your will be done. For tomorrow the Lord will do great things among us. And we will be able to stand before our enemies. We will stand before our enemies. I thank you Lord. I pray for every family. Presented here. Represented here. Even those not with us. I ask that every family will have a major reformation. A major overhaul. A major service in the spirit Lord. Come in. And do a major thorough spring clean of the hidden cobwebs of the crevices of our lives. The inner recesses where no one sees. Heal and cleanse. You know what I hear the Lord saying, brethren. The Lord says He's going to reveal some things to you about what you should do. But the Lord says this, whatever He reveals, His intent is not to embarrass. His intent is to heal. Because of His love, He will come to you and show you. Because He wants, He loves you so much. He'll be willing to show you so that you can, you can rectify it. It's going to be an expression of His love. Amen. So we humble ourselves before you, Lord. We thank you in Jesus' name. If my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves, seek my face, and pray, then... I will hear from heaven, and I will come, and I will heal their land. God says, just tell your neighbor this. Tell this to your neighbor. God says, he will hear from heaven. Tell someone, pray. Tell someone, humble yourself. Tell someone, seek God. Tell someone, turn from your wicked ways. Tell someone, you have wicked ways. (laughs) So turn from them my people my he says my people have wicked ways it's it's not this it shouldn't be eh? i have wicked i'm saying to the lord lord i have wicked ways i want i want to be clean tell you never squeaky clean squeaky clean be clean at every single level amen